0: Tattoos have become more of a normal part of society, and, you know, one of the things that's a common mistake that people do is they just go anywhere, you know, closest place maybe, whatever's convenient, and a lot of times they get a piece of art that stays on them forever that maybe they don't like so much. So let me help you and eliminate that problem. Go see Jeff Lee Watts easy flea tattoos you can find them on facebook or instagram and you can find him at 1731 dancy boulevard in horn lake number is 662-280-0763 <laughs>
1: What's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And, Jim, tonight's episode 28 titled Into the Lion's Den because tonight we have freshmen baseball sensations that are getting thrown straight into the Lion's Den. This is their first year at big-time Division I schools. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week from Old Miss Luke Ellis, from Kentucky Michael Dallas, and from the University of Memphis Jonah Sutton. Gentlemen, welcome. To the show, I'm going to start off and just say thank you for, for being on here. Heard a lot about you um, over the past couple weeks. Um, excited that we got all three of you guys on tonight, but I want to start off and and kind of get to this camp, all right? Jim talked to me like I feel like he was a part of this camp because he had so many details and, and so many things to say about it. He said, First and foremost, you guys did a great job with the kids. But, Luke, I, I want to start with you, man. You had a whistle. It seemed as though, like, you were the the boss of this camp. Like, is it a power thing with this whistle? What's going on? How did the whistle come to be?
2: Uh, I kind of just got one because I was like, well, I don't want to deal with uh, kids running around and me not being able to yell loud enough so they can't hear me. And then uh, I was like, you know what? Might as well just get a whistle and see how it goes.
1: Yes. So, so so when when I was a PE teacher, that's what I used too. It was just easy. You yeah. could get you could get attention and you could tell the kids could tell by how hard you blew the whistle, whether you were mad, happy, sad, glad, or whatever. So it was I fun too. Like,
2: I mean it was I mean it was fun to using the whistle. I mean I I'm, I didn't mind it at all.
1: Yeah, I'm sure by the end of it they were they were waiting on the whistle. They were expecting it. They bought into the whistle.
2: Probably so, yeah.
1: All right, Michael, man, look, I, I, I gotta I gotta rag on you a little bit, bro. I heard you were dropping bombs on the t ball fields, man. What's up with that?
3: Oh yeah,
1: man. I had to show the
3: kids, you know, how to do it. Uh Luke and Jonah had to take some swings and uh they didn't get it done. So, you know, I had to step up in there and show the little kids how
1: to put the ball over the fence. I hear you, man. That's that's probably the only fences that I could probably knock it out of these days is, is the little league. Man. <laughs> I need to stick to wiffle ball and that's my size field. So I could, I could dominate on the wiffle ball field. Um, but you know, Jonah, I think I got to give you the most accolades for this camp because if you've spent enough time, like I have with Jim's son, Mm -hmm. that little buster will drive you crazy. Um, but Jim said he did a great job. I'm sure there were struggles, but like talk me through it. Um, What were some of the struggles, but inevitably, how did you get him to the point where he was listening and taking coaching? Because he ended up with the most Heart award. So, like, how how did that happen? What did you do? What are the tricks? What are the secrets? Because I know Jim is going to be taking some notes right now.
4: Well, I mean, the kid is goofy as all get out, but he's super fun to be around. So it's kind of like you just kind of got to match his energy. So I just try to match his energy and everything. And, you know, once you get in that groove and he stops trying to like one up you and then he's really like, oh, man, we're like the same. Then he's like your best friends. And he's like, now I want to listen to you and I want to work with you. And then you just have a good time from there. So it's kind of just like, you know, with kids that age, you just got to have fun with it, because at that age, the most important thing is making sure that the kids are having fun and everything because at that age it's it shouldn't be all this you know this this crazy competitive stuff that they got going on now it should just be about having fun and learning the game and you know there's no point in like coming down on a you know eight-year-old or whatever so you just kind of gotta have fun with it
1: yeah I mean it's it's something you know you say that but I think you you three especially going into your first year at a big school I, I think that's something to remember and, and keep, keep on the, the, you know, the tip of your, your tongue, because you got to have fun. There's going to be a lot of pressure over the next year. There's, there's going to be a lot of like intensity, the speed of the game is going to be fast, but don't forget the reason why you started baseball in the first place. And, you know, that's kind of where I want to start the podcast tonight is, is going back to that time where, the intrigue first hits you with baseball. And and Luke, I'll I'll start with you, man. So talk to me first and foremost. Where are you from and what were your family dynamics growing up in your house?
2: Yeah. So um I grew up in a little small town called pay County. And it's a little little rundown kind of outside of Memphis, about 30 minutes. And uh uh I grew up my dad used to play all the time and he didn't really have a um a dad to watch and grow up and um, teach him like he did with me. So he, he kind of tried to, to bang in the, the whole baseball thing in firsthand. So I started playing when I was four. I was playing when I was four, a um, bunch of t-ball stuff. And uh, I got really good. With uh, about nine. And I was like, maybe I should try this travel ball thing. And we tried travel ball. First week, uh, got into AAA. And I, I thought I was going to get in double-A team. Like, I wasn't very good. Triple-A, uh, first three weekends, I had, like, 16 strikeouts. Like, most of the team, like, my ego was dropped to an all-time low. Um, and then after that, I was like, look, dude, like, <laughs> something has to change. And me as a 9-year-old, 10-year-old, I was like, look, if, you, if this really wants to work for you and, you know, I love the game so much, I got to do something else about it. So it was a little bit of that change in mindset and a lot of prayer um, and I got better and I keep, I kept getting better and better. And it um, was really just the help of like my dad, like pushing me all the time, even though if I didn't want to do it, um, really helped me a lot. And uh, I keep growing up, I'm about 12, 13 now, um, my team kind of separated AAA team and I can try majors team. And I was like, I'm not good enough for this. Like not good enough at all. I made the team. And I think this was with Michael. It was the um Germantown Giants. Um, if Michael wants to pitch in there, I think it was you were you on that team, Michael?
3: Yeah, I was actually at the trial. You remember when we tried you out at that like rag field in like, Germantown,
2: right? In Germantown. Yeah,
3: somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And we yeah, were like, was, who is this teams. guy? And he actually came out and hit like six or seven bombs, like on this kind of run down field and be like, yo, this kid is actually pretty good. Like, the next day like he was on our team.
0: I don't believe it because yeah. I've seen Luke swinging. I don't, I don't know. Hey, I don't
2: look, look, look. At <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean, not, if I'm you not, look I'm at not. him
3: now, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I mean, he was definitely a better hitter five years ago than he was today. But – Hey, I batted 4 14 last high school season. I
0: don't but, I, but I'll tell you this, Daniel. I think he had the best hit out of everybody wiffle ball-wise. I think he's absolutely – weren't you
2: the one that smoked one? Yeah, I spoke to one of, like, right center, I think, or something like that. Like,
0: I, I mean, he made a wiffle ball travel. I got to give him his due there. So, but, uh,
1: so with, with that, all right, so you play, you kind of work yourself up, you go to this tryout in Germantown, you crush balls and you hit bombs. Um, was baseball the sole focus? Was there any other sports? Or at that age, it was just strictly baseball, and that's what your dad was pushing?
2: No, I would, I tried other sports. Like I played basketball freshman year. I was playing football in middle school, but I knew I didn't, you know, have the talent I did in baseball. And growing up a left-hander, um, it's a little easier to uh, get through things. And if you don't, if you throw hard, you can throw strikes as a left-hander. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty easy. And I realized
1: that after so my I'm,
2: fourteen or fifteen-year-old year. Old year.
1: Uh, I'm assuming you you made that that team in Germantown. Yeah, yeah,
2: for sure. I was with them, so I played with Michael for three years, four years. When um, we went with Germantown Giants and then we went to the Tigers and uh, it was fun. Um, I got a lot better um, and I didn't really want, I didn't really want to think about, at that point I was in middle school. I was like, I don't want to think about, you know, being a pitcher or a hitter, or whatever that may be. But uh, growing up or really getting into high school, I realized that pitching was going to be my go-to um, and as I kept going to more and more travel events, uh, for my sophomore and junior junior summer, I moved to Atlanta uh, for the whole summer and just played perfect game events for two, three straight months. I didn't go home. Probably, I probably went home once a month, and it was it was brutal for me because you know I'm a 15, 16 year old kid right, living so, this.
1: So hold on, now. So you you go to high school. What high school, by the way?
2: SBA, I went to St.
1: Benedict. All right, so you're at St. Benedict, which, you know, it's it's a small private school. Um, Mm -hmm. So then you're Fayette County guy, small county. You go to St. Benedict. You're playing for all these, you know, reputable travel teams, the Giants, the Tigers. And then you decide, you know, I'm going to go move out of this small area to Georgia and – I'm assuming it's the East Cobb area.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: And then you stay up there over the summer and how, how long was that? Was that one summer it was, season or multiple summer seasons?
2: Yeah. So my beginning of my sophomore year, um, I was in Biloxi for a spring break trip with my high school and the head of the organization team Georgia came up and he was like, Hey, I pitched, I pitched really well. I think I pitched four or five innings and a couple out of maybe eight or nine strikeouts and I was, I was dealing and he was like, Hey, we want you on my team. And it took my family a while. Cause you know, it was so new to us to, you know, try to go to that different, like a different like area and just like kind of be different. Cause most guys around here would just stay. And I knew for me, like if I wanted to go to a college um, I definitely needed to go somewhere else where I'd be more, you know, more exposed to college scouts. As I got older, I realized I could, you know, hopefully go D1. Hopefully, um, even if it's a low D1, whatever it may be, hopefully I could get into one of those schools. So sophomore year, um, I played um, Atlanta for six straight weekends, and the seventh weekend was in Orlando. And uh, in Orlando, uh, it was the last game of the second day, and, everybody was pretty much leaving their fields and there I was the only game left in the, um, in the whole park. So all these college scouts kind of rounded around um, my game and I, it was so dark. I didn't even realize it. All
1: um, right. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to hold there. Cause I want, I want the listeners to be hanging on the suspense of how you get to college. Um, but before I transition over to Michael, I do want to ask, all right. It, everything I hear from you Luke is that like you don't give yourself enough credit. Like you didn't think you were that good. You say you struggled when you started, you wanted to quit, but then I hear you talk about you played for the giants, you played for the tigers, you moved to East Cobb, you played at St. Benedict. And now you're getting to the point where colleges are getting on your radar. Like obviously you had to have a season and a team that like really started like molding you in that path. Was it just the development and getting older and getting better, or was it specifically a certain season that you can recall where, like, that was the growth season where, like, everything just started clicking?
2: It was more like I think you hit on the really nail on the head. I didn't really give myself enough credit. I didn't really think I was that good of a player growing up, and I was content with um, you know going to a you know maybe a high D two low D one. And then once I, it was really just like a mental thing. I was like, if you like, why not try to be the best? Why not try to be the best I can be? Why not try to see where I can go? Why not try to see, you know, what I can do? It wasn't really a season. It was more like a a mental, a mental picture I made in my head when I moved to Georgia. It was more like.
1: it's, It's crazy, man, because the mind is such a, it's such a cliche thing to say, but the mind is a powerful thing. It can, be your your biggest enemy or your best friend because like just a simple belief in yourself and i i'm i'm in the belief that if you don't believe in yourself first nobody else is going to believe in you so absolutely it seemed like for you success started to click and started to come as soon as you started believing like and giving yourself credit like man, you could actually do this. You could actually play at a high level because you're currently playing against some of the best in the country. So there would be no reason for you not to expect high things for yourself. Um, but, Michael, you know, I want to pose some of the same questions to you, man. Um, you know, being the first time on the podcast, talk to me about, you know, where you grew up and what the family and home life was like.
3: Yeah, so I grew up in Arlington, Tennessee, and I actually have a pretty big family. I have two other brothers, two sisters, and we started off uh, kind of going to Arlington, and as we grew up, um, we decided to move to Briarcrest, and uh, that all worked out. But kind of growing up, I started baseball, of course, at a young age, my older brother, Blake played baseball but he never really got into it until he was around 13 or 14 and he kind of started playing travel ball then so kind of that was around the same time that I started playing travel ball and I was probably seven or eight around then so I mean baseball has always kind of been in our family my dad always he's a big baseball guy like I kind of attribute everything that I've been able to do to him because, I mean, he's pushed me my whole life to kind of be the person and player I am today. But, um, yeah, so I kind of always grew up playing baseball. I mean, I played other sports as well, but I never really had a passion for those other sports as I did with baseball.
1: So so tell me this, all right. You got two brothers, two sisters, a big family. Like, how, how does – thing how do you balance all that how do you your your parents balance that how is you got your brother that's starting to play travel ball at 13 you starting to play travel ball at the same time like I know what you know goes into all the travel ball and it's always you know during the week it's weekends it's it's a constant thing how did your parents balance being everywhere for everybody
3: yeah uh, that was definitely difficult I mean that Every single day, someone's going here, someone's going there. My mom's taking me here. My dad's taking my brother here. Like, it was always going different ways. Like, I was at this practice. He was at that practice. Like, I mean, we ended up making it work. Like, I went to a lot of their practices because my dad was the coach for that team. So, like, I got to go to some of those practices and kind of play with those older guys and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was it was a good experience for me, kind of having being busy all the time. Um, but it definitely was a lot for both my parents and kind of all the siblings as well.
1: I know we, we talked about it off air and I, I joked about the whiteboard in, in your room, but it seems to me like growing up and having to like calendar and plan and organize, like uh, now the whiteboard in the background makes sense. And, you know, um, I, I get it yeah. and I, I can appreciate that because like, I my brain functions the same way. So when I see stuff like that, I immediately go, all right, like, this is my kind of guy right here. Like we got a plan. We're going to stick to that plan. We're going to follow it we're going to make modifications as we go. Yeah. Um, so when, when did baseball become like, not a focus or a priority, but when was it, you know, when did the light, light bulb go off and you say, Oh man, like, I am pretty good at this. And like, I think I want to, push hard and be the best that I can be. Cause I think I could like develop this into something big.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I started off like I would, I even when I was playing T-ball, like I would play T-ball for like a year and then play like up on coach pitch for like two or three years before I was supposed to do that. And then I'd go to kid pitch early. And then I started off with the Memphis travelers and we were kind of all right, but I kind of wanted something better. And then I ended up trying out for a few teams, whatever, made the Germantown Giants team at, I think, the age of nine, eight or nine. And then once I was around 10 or 11, I started to kind of, like, win some awards and tournaments and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I, I mean, I guess that means I'm pretty good at this. So kind of just kept working. And when I started to get kind of in middle school and – Kind of people talking like they're like man like talk to like coaches after the game like man you're really good like keep up the hard work like you play the game right like stuff like that man this I think this is something I would like to do so as long as I, I still played other sports like I always played basketball always played football growing up but uh, again I still didn't have the level of like man I really want to do this I want to be great at this in those sports as I did in baseball and that level kind of got to around eighth ninth grade when I decided to move to Briarcrest and kind of fighting for that starting position as a as a freshman on a high school team like I wanted to be great I wanted to play early stuff like that so I think that's kind of around eighth or ninth grade is when I really turned the switch and was like I want to do this at a high level and I want
1: to I want to be great at it so did did these other sports that you played, did they carry with you? Did you play them in high school?
3: Uh yes, sir. I played uh, basketball my freshman year, my senior year, and then I played football all four
1: years. So I I I, I had a feeling and it I can just tell because baseball guys are really the most humble athletes, especially when it when it comes to like talent level and other sports, because we talk to you guys when you're at an elite level at a elite school. And so if it's not the sport that you're at your current school doing, you kind of forget about it, but man, like I, I, I got, I got you on social media, man. And like the, the, the picture is you, you know, looks like you're throwing a football, man. So like, there's gotta be some skills involved. So talk me through like, what was it like playing football at Briarcrest? What position you were and like, Did football help you become a better baseball player or was was football just an outlet to take a break from baseball and you just happen to be good at it? Yeah, so I
3: mean, kinda always growing up, my dad didn't want us to just always play baseball all the time. He thought like we'd definitely get like burnt out of it. Like he wants he wants us to be an athlete, he wants us to go do everything and like find whatever we loved and then stick with that. So I mean I always played football growing up. But yeah, in high school I played well, I was a quarterback, but I also played free safety. So my freshman year on the freshman and J V team, I was the quarterback and the free safety. And then my sophomore year, there was a senior quarterback in front of me who was really good. He ended up going to play division one football and I wanted to get on the field. So I was like, Coach, like I I can go play defense. Like I wanna I wanna play. So I actually started at free safety on the varsity team as a sophomore. And then once he left, I was a quarterback, both junior and senior year. And I'd say football kind of brought a work ethic type mentality to my baseball side of it. Like how we worked on the football field was so more aggressive and fast paced and like get after it than I had ever been on a baseball field and so that kind of translated more to lifting more like working harder like not just get your reps in and get done with it like focus on everything you do and like be very meticulous about everything and also I mean over the course of four years with the lifting and throwing being a quarterback I definitely think it it got me a lot stronger and made me a better baseball player for sure.
1: All right. So take take me into your huddle. What's what's your favorite what's your favorite play? All right.
3: So we have this play. It's called it's called right. trips right. No, no,
1: no, we, no, no, we no. Called... That that's that that's not how it's gonna go down. We're in the huddle right now, Michael. Like I, I need yeah. to believe that this is the play that we're gonna run down the field on. Like <laughs> Give it to me, man. All right.
3: Trips, right? Rodeo curl. We got our outside receiver running like a seven-yard bench, our middle guy running like a 15-yard corner, our slot guy running like a 15 or 12-yard bench, and then our backside receiver runs a deep post. And man, I love throwing that deep post to Jared Gentry, a wide receiver I had. I'd always roll out right and just launch it back down the middle of the field. And that was probably my favorite play to run.
1: So was Jared a big guy? You just throw it up there and he's gonna go make make a play?
3: Oh, he was a freak athlete. He's a he's a walk on at Tennessee right now. So yeah, he he he'd go up and get it.
1: Nice. That's what's up. It's always nice being a quarterback knowing you could Throw it to an area, and your guy's gonna go make a play. Oh yeah. So and
0: Daniel, you notice something? I heard him say. You know, it's interesting perspective. You know, because some some of the guys don't play two sports, but the ones who play baseball, football, uh, you know, in particular, the intensity that he talked about is the same thing Landon Sims talked about. So I'll be interested to watch Michael because these guys who played football also they play baseball. I mean, they always have a different level of intensity.
1: Yeah the the mind shift is, is different a leadership capacity as far as like, Hey, look at me. I got you like trust in me. Like the hardest thing for an athlete is to get other athletes to trust you. So when you have that skill, man, like that's something powerful. So um, before I transition to Luke or uh, to Jonah, I'll, what was your best season in high school? Was it a summer season? Was it an actual like spring season with the school what was, what was that best season for you
3: um i'd say probably the most fun i had was the end of my sophomore year of baseball going into the beginning of my junior year of football so that was really when like the recruiting process kind of was big and like i was getting offers and whatever and also at the beginning of our junior season we were really good at football so we're making it, we're winning a ton of games and this and that. We ended up winning one of the biggest games in probably the program's history. And like the next day I committed to Kentucky and that for me, was like the top, like, like the, it doesn't get any better than this right now. So, I mean, that was, that was probably the peak for me.
1: I, I feel you. Well, Jonah, my man so I, I, I saved my tiger for last, so we could we, <laughs> could we could dive into this, man. so uh, you know some same questions. Give us some background on you where are you from and and what was it like growing up? brothers, sisters, mom, dad, What was it like?
4: Um, I grew up in the Memphis area too i lived I lived in Cordova uh till I was about nine, and then I moved to Collierville after that. And I have a huge family. I have five siblings, and I'm the youngest. The oldest is, I think, 33, and they all played sports. Uh, mom was a gymnast at LSU. Dad went to LSU. Shout
0: out. Shout out.
4: Whole family's whole family from Louisiana. Um, my football, though, was, like, the big sport in my family. My dad played in uh, high school. My two older brothers were really good in high school. Um And then my sisters did, like, horseback riding and stuff like that. But my youngest older brother, he's 20 – he's about to turn 24. He's the one that, like, started the whole baseball thing in the family. It kind of came out of nowhere, but, you know, he was kind of like, I like baseball, so I'm going to play baseball. And he kind of – and so me and him were, like, closest uh, as far as my brothers go because he was the one closest in age to me. So, like, my parents had seen – like, they'd seen the T-ball over and over. They'd seen the six-year-olds trying to go and hit a baseball and it just not working – So they were kind of like, how about you just hang out with Jake? You, uh, like, go to his practices and stuff like that. And then that's what I did. I would go and practice with him when he was playing, like, tournament ball. His his coach would let me, like, go, like, field ground balls with him, take BP, all that stuff. So I felt like I was part of the team and all that. And then I started playing for myself at nine. So I didn't have that super early start. But honestly, I think getting to practice and, like, sometimes even hit off and play with, like, 13- and 14-year-olds when I was seven and eight – I think that honestly better prepared me because it was like, like the speed of the game at 9U didn't, it didn't overwhelm me the way I thought it would because I kind of like been around older people. So, I mean, that definitely helped out a lot.
1: It seems like mom and dad had like the secret plan. They were like, yeah, go, go play with your brother.
4: Yeah, go do that. I don't know if that was it. I think it was more I don't want to watch you try to hit a baseball when you're 6 and us have to sit out there for 2 hours. They'd done that 5 times.
1: Well, yeah, and that when when you got a family that big, you know, we we were talking, you know, you, balance is is key and for your mm-hmm. for your parents it's probably a lot easier when you're both going to the same place to to manage that especially when mm-hmm. you got three other kids that you're you're having to manage as well. So, um was baseball the only sport?
4: Um, I played like I played one year of basketball as like a little kid. Wasn't my thing. Quickly quit that. I played one year of soccer when I was a kid, wasn't my thing. Baseball, I stuck with the whole time. I played three years of football from seventh to ninth grade. Um, but I transferred to Briarcrest uh, halfway through my freshman year. So the fall of my freshman year, I played football at Harding Academy. And then I transferred in January to Briarcrest because of baseball, basically. Um, I wanted to play for Briarcrest because, you know, competition and just it was a better baseball school. And football was I was I was I, was, I wasn't I like was great at it or anything like that. I've never been big. I've never been crazy fast, but I enjoyed it. But I kind of I kind of got to Briarcrest and I was like, no, nah, I was like, I'm these people are all massive you know these are this is a football school and I wasn't really I was like I'm not trying to go try to play there because I I knew it wasn't going to be my thing at Briarcrest so I was like I'm just going to stick with baseball and really try to develop at that and get better and so that was the plan that I did.
1: I got you other other than you know your your parents and your older brothers and sister um were there any other influences? What athletes did you did you look up to?
4: Um obviously you see the poster, always like Mike Trout the way he plays. It's just he's a fun guy to watch. Uh obviously growing up like watching LSU baseball. Uh my dad, his favorite player and my favorite player in college, Alex Bregman, obviously, a small guy. He's not, he doesn't have any like tools that like super stand out at you. Now he has some power, but like back in college, you know, he, nothing stood out. He was like, you know, it wasn't big, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't hit 25 home runs or anything like that, but he was just like a gritty baseball player. And he was kind of like, he just kind of showed you, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be six, three to be a really good baseball player. Like you can just be a, a baller out there and you can just, I mean, Bregman's yeah. I've, I've always watched him and kind of modeled how I play after him. Cause he definitely helps us little guys out.
1: So, what was your best season personally and your best season as a team? And when was it where it started clicking and you were like, man, I could do this, you know, at the D1
4: level? Um, growing up, it's like, I was always like good, but again, I've, I've never been big. So I never had those crazy tools. It was just kind of like, yeah, like if you went and watched me for a game, it wasn't like, okay, that kid's going to go D1. You'd have to watch me for like a whole season type thing. You'd have to like watch how I go throughout a season. And so, I mean, when I got to high school, uh, I couldn't, the summers were like the most important as far as recruiting goes, going into sophomore year and going into junior year, those two summers, I couldn't throw a baseball. So I lost two huge years of recruiting and all I could do was DH basically and play a few games in the outfield if I felt okay. But Marm was destroyed those two summers, so I was really behind the eight ball, and so I didn't get much out of that, and then same with high school ball. I was hurt for a few of the seasons. We had the COVID year, so the best season that I had was going into my senior year was, again, that was the first summer that I could actually throw a baseball, so I was able to, like, play short and third a lot, and uh, that was the summer that it kind of clicked with me because I was getting pretty down on myself whenever I was getting hurt, and I was kind of like, you know, this is a lot of traveling for DHing two of the eight games we play. You know, it's it's not, I wasn't having a lot of fun anymore. And my mom kind of kept, like, pushing me and being like, you just got to keep staying positive and all this stuff. And so I kept doing it, eventually got healthy. And uh, that summer before senior year, I hit 527 on the summer. And that's when I got my confidence back and it clicked with me. And, of course, I was during COVID, so recruiting was not great. So I didn't have very many offers. Uh, I had, I had like three or four, maybe it was, it wasn't anything crazy, but uh, Memphis was obviously the one that I was like, I wanted to play at Memphis for a while. And I was like, yeah, that's the school I want to go to. I see myself there. Um, I would have liked to know what would have happened, you know, if COVID wasn't there and there were scouts out there, but at the end of the day, I don't think it matters because I think Memphis is where I would have ended up regardless. Cause I, I, I mean, I'd pick Memphis over most schools just because, of the player I am and like kind of where I see myself playing in college and stuff. And as far as like trying to get a chance to play as early as possible. And, you know, I like to play for my city and stuff. So Memphis would have been the option regardless.
0: So your family is all Tigers. You just got different stripes.
4: Exactly. I love the way you worded that. Well, two, (laughs) uh, one of my brothers went to Memphis. Well, two of my brothers finished at Memphis and my, one of my sisters went there all four years, but, I'm the only one that uh, lived on campus, though. They all commuted, so.
0: Gotcha. Well, I didn't even know all the LSU stuff. I like you that much better. But we'll <laughs> get we'll get into all that in a minute. We're going to come back to Luke. Luke, man. All right, so you started talking about when colleges pursued you. Daniel held you up because, uh, you know, wanted to know what exactly were the top colleges that you were choosing from and then ultimately why you chose Ole Miss.
2: Yeah, so – I grew up Mississippi State fan my whole life. My dad went there, um, and growing up, I just wanted to be a Mississippi State baseball player. And, um, you know, in that summer, Linda, like I was talking about, uh, all the scouts kind of came in, and I was like, I was pitching really well. I was pitching against, I think it was Tri-State Arsenal, and they had about 10 out of their 15 guys were committed to D1. I pitched, I think five innings. I had 12 um, Ks, 13 Ks, and I didn't allow a run. Um, I just competed on the mound, and um, the next morning I woke up and I had three missed calls um, from 3D1 schools. I had no idea what the numbers were from all like all across um, platforms, and I was like, "Wow, I mean, is this really real?" And I got a coach. I got a call from my uh, head of the organization. He's like, "Hey, you are getting a bunch of calls today." Um, I was like, "All right, all right." Um, and then he said, make a top ten. So my top ten at that time was uh, Mississippi State, uh, Tennessee, and um, Ole Miss. And then going along to my visits and stuff, my first visit was Ole Miss, and I loved it. Um, loved the campus, loved the staff. Um, went to Mississippi State, same thing. Loved the campus, loved the staff. And then my third pick was Auburn. Um, Auburn was, you know, kind of iffy. there, like, we think we're going to go to Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Um, so, if you don't go to either of those, you have a spot here. We'll give you a scholarship on, on, on the spot. I was like, okay. Um, Mississippi State gave me a two week um, time period to commit. And um, it just didn't feel right to me. I just, I grew up Mississippi State fan. I, you know, I loved Mississippi State my whole life. And um, I don't know what it was, but just almost kind of stuck with me. And, and I loved the staff. I loved um, Coach Lath, the pitching coach. I loved, just the campus and the feel around um, everything. And I think uh, a week after I got that offer from Ole Miss, I committed and um, I haven't regretted it since. And I love being here. It's uh, it's always a, a good time. And I'm I'm glad I made the decision to come here.
0: Well, what I loved about your answer is we had a guest on recently, Hunter Harrison. He had five different schools that uh, he was supposed to visit. And he went to Arkansas first, or excuse me, he went to Mississippi State first. Um, and – He chose it right out the gate. He didn't go to any of his other visits. And we told him, like, man, like, even if you know that you're going to pick Mississippi State, like, you got to go check out all the schools and make sure, like, make sure it's the spot. And then if anything, like Daniel told him, like, people are going to be treating you nice. And if someone's going to treat you nice somewhere, you got to go. So I liked it. uh, I liked that you went and checked them all out, made sure, you know, you were picking the right spot. Um, you know me and you've talked I mean Mississippi State Ole Miss really can't make a bad decision that, that's the that's the good thing like between yeah. when you when it comes down to those two but it, it is also intriguing that you know it, it it really speaks to Ole Miss's program that you being a fan of Mississippi State went to Ole Miss and you know y'all got y'all got a stellar group coming in I mean so, I've gotten to watch Hunter Elliott, Riley Maddox, Mason Nichols, Braden Sanders. I mean, y'all are coming in with a freshman class that is loaded. And obviously, um, you know, you lo- lost a lot of pitchers. But when you bring in that many and then y'all have the lineup y'all do, um, man, expectations for old Mr. big. So, before we get into those expectations, talk to me about how the summer workouts have been.
2: Yeah. So, in the summer I was here from um, July 1st to August 1st. And, it was really nice just getting to know the program, getting to know the coaches, Um, and some guys, upperclassmen stayed back, get to know some of the players. Um, It was just nice to get acclimated to campus too. Like, we lived in the dorms, you know, had a summer class, just trying to get a little hint of what it's going to be like now in the fall. Um, But it was just really nice to go through those workouts and just see what it was going to be like. And, you know, when you first get on campus, it was like, look, I'm going to work my butt off this and that. I know I tried my best to, to do everything I could to get better um, and it was just nice to know that you know I have a I have a place here I have a like it was like a, a for sure thing in the fall I knew I wasn't coming in like you know blindly like I knew what I was doing I knew where I was going type thing and it was just nice to um, go through that and then when I get here in the fall it was just easy to get acclimated to everything.
3: If I
0: remember the story correctly, um, there was competitions and I believe Hunter Elliott said you were on his team. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, we had a, a big thing called an assault bike and our strength coach, Coach Boone, is, loves that thing. It's a it's a bike and it tells you how many calories you burn and you usually had a team of four and you had to burn 200 calories quick as you can and uh, most of the guys probably did 50 a piece. They probably like did 20 and then switch, 20 then switch but um, that first time after i did it the first week everybody was on the ground and i was like i can't feel my legs dude like i just it, it, it just hurt so so bad to get up and everybody was like zombies in there and they were just trying to get up and i just couldn't and they just fall back down because their legs were beat you know in so much pain because of the assault bike but you know it has its name for a reason it literally uh it was pretty bad yeah and you know, we definitely good competition though for sure
0: i had never met an assault bike until daniel there and so that's his thing i'm man count count me out this dude takes i like lifting heavy he likes doing a lot of extra cardio and trying to kill somebody so count me out on the on the bike bro uh but you know you were talking about the veteran guys is there any specific guy on the team that's a veteran that like um you got to really talk to and connect with maybe talk Talk, you know, about what it's going to be like.
2: I mean, there was there was six, seven guys there in the summer, or eight or not, or maybe it was eight um in the summer, and I kind of just talked to all of them collectively and was like trying to get hints from everybody. Really, there wasn't really one guy kind of like got a lot from. It was more like you know asking everybody in their point of view of it and their like you know outlook on how they've you know their point of view of what they've gone through in the last you know year, two, three, whatever it may be. So I was trying to just like collecting all the information and trying to figure out the best way that I can get a spot freshman year and play and be a big role for this team. So.
0: Gotcha. So you're on campus now, you know, y'all started school. I mean, how much excitement do you got now that, I mean, it's all became real. Like you said, you did the summer workouts and, you know, you said you stayed in the dorms, but you know, that was just kind of getting a feel like you said, but you're actually there. You're in school now you're a student at Ole Miss. I mean, what are the emotions like?
2: You know, it's crazy. Um, and this place, this Oxford loves, loves, loves baseball. And it's, I didn't really realize it until I got here because in the summer, no one was here. Like no students were here. I mean, it was, you know, they had your couple, you had your couple, couple taking summer classes and this and that. But when I got here, um, I think it was August 13th, August 14th, uh, literally everyone was here. And it was just kind of crazy to think like, you know, there's going to be 10,000 people at Swayze Field in the spring and I'm going to be on that mound. Like, You know, those emotions just kind of, like, came in all at once. I was like, well, let's do this. Like, I'm ready for it.
0: Yeah, man, no doubt. Like, I mean, like you said, everything about Oxford is awesome. And then, you know, your roommate, I saw the pictures on social media, is Braden Sanders. We've had him on, and and we love him. So, that's cool that that, you know, that gets to be your roommate. Um, Let's talk, has Coach already started talking about season expectations, or are y'all kind of not there yet?
2: Yeah, so we had our first team meeting uh, last weekend. We've been working out every day on Monday to Friday from, you know, three, four hours at a time. And um, it was more just kind of an interaction thing. You know, next week we kind of really try to go into, like, the four-and-ones, like four players and one coach type thing. And then, you know, in October, October 1st, we start, you know, inter-squads and um, playing other teams and trying to, you know, get ready for the spring. So it's really just now just – you know, it's the off-season work of trying to get ready to, you know, be prepared for the October first date to where that first-year squad is, and we're all trying to um, work our butts off until then, um, you know, show out for the fall.
0: You know, I haven't seen if the schedule is even out yet. Um, will y'all be playing Mississippi State at home or away?
2: You know, uh, I don't know yet. I think the schedule comes out uh, maybe in this in. I don't even know. I, don't, I know it's not now. Nobody even has it. They're still kind of trying to. Like, if if it's like if it's everything. like football is,
0: it should flip. And I think they would be coming to your place anyway. I was just curious, being a guy. Yeah, that, they'll
2: be. Yeah, they'll be. They'll be at our place. We don't know the date though, but you know they'll be in Oxford this year. Well, I just asked because you know, period.
0: obviously that's a rivalry series anyway. But the fact that you grew up a Mississippi State fan, like I just. I wonder what the emotions are going to be like going through your head, like for that to be a rivalry. And then that be the team you grew up, you know, rooting for That's going to be a whole interesting series
2: for you. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, knowing all the coaches and, you know, talking to them for, you know, five, six months and then, you know, playing against them and probably the biggest stage, it's just kind of crazy to think that, you know, I'm going to, you know, be on that stage and be right there. And I could have gone there in my dream school, but I ended up going somewhere else. It's just going to be, it's going to be uh, fun for sure. A lot, a lot of emotions.
0: No doubt. All right. Well, last question, then I'll move to Michael, man. What personal goals, if you have any? Um, some guys say they don't, some guys say they do. Do you have a specific personal goal that you're, you know, reaching for, or do you have, you know, even something that you feel like is the biggest thing you need to improve to have success? Do you have anything like that?
2: Yeah, so my my main goal since sophomore year I committed was to play freshman year. I don't care what spot it is. I don't care. I'm a reliever in the eighth inning and I pitch, you know, one inning. Like, I I don't care. I want to get on that mound freshman year and show what I got and show that, you know, I belong on the mound and at Swayze Field. So, you know, from, you know, coming here and, you know, with school and everything around you and it's just you got to, like, for me, it's just, Stay on track. Stay, you know, and I'm kind of mind or goal oriented, so I'm like, I I want to get to this goal so bad, nothing's gonna stop me in the way to get to that goal. So, playing freshman year is definitely my number one.
0: Well, like Daniel said, believing in yourself that you can do it is a start, and it sounds like you're there. So, man, uh, best of luck is a uh, freshman season. You know, I'll be watching. Let's let's get to Michael, man. Let's, let's get to it. He already said that uh, he committed to Kentucky and uh, took that question away from me. It's all good. You know, whatever. Um, So why, why, why Kentucky, Michael?
3: For me, it was the relationships I kind of built with the coaches. So I had, I had camped here once I had visited here once, but the second time I visited, um, they really sat me down and, and took me through, like, a presentation about, like, this is our program, this is what we stand for, like, this is how we're going to play the game, um, and kind of, like, this is what kind of player we think you are and where you fit into our program and stuff, and kind of everything they were saying was kind of everything I had thought about myself growing up and how I wanted to play the game like I wanted to get after it like I wanted to leave everything I had on the field every single day like I wanted to win every single game I played in and stuff like that so really kind of the people and the relationships with the coaches along with the absolutely crazy facilities we have now I mean it was a perfect fit for me
0: yeah and so you know Luke was just talking about, you know, doing what it takes to get on the the field freshman year, but you have a little bit of an advantage. If I understand, uh, you know, when I've heard people talk about you, you can probably play most of the infield, is that correct?
3: Yes, sir. So I mean, that's what I've definitely um had luck with. So I'm I mean, I've grown up playing shortstop, but kind of at a young age. It was always instilled in me to like be able to play anywhere because you never know whatever level you go up to, who's going to be in front of you at that main position you have and being able to be versatile will get you on the field. Um, So as long as you hit, you play, but you have to play a position. And I mean, I can play sec. I've always played short. Can always, I've played second, played third. You can stick me in the outfield. You can pretty much stick me anywhere. And, and I'll contribute to the team so yeah that's been a that's been a really kind of growing up kind of playing everywhere
0: yeah man that's a that's a nice uh thing to have in your pocket because you know you know obviously we had Cameron James on here and he was a shortstop his whole life as well but you know in order to get on the field he had to play third base that freshman year and and that's what he did so I feel good with the fact that you are versatile enough to play anywhere that you're gonna find a way on that field and you know you said as long as you hit too and that's a key component and If I've if I've seen or heard anything about you, I heard your work ethic as far as uh, hitting is good. So I I feel like we're definitely gonna be seeing you on the field. Let's talk about your summer workouts, man. How how'd they go for you?
3: Yes, actually, my summer was a little bit different than Luke. He got on campus early. I actually went up to uh, New York to play in a summer league. So I played in a the perfect game collegiate league for pretty much two months. I mean. I went up there and every day it was, it was actually a crazy new experience for me. It was the first time I have really moved away from my house and stayed somewhere else for a long period of time. So that was really different. And uh, what was actually really different was having to cook all my meals. That was probably the biggest thing I had to experience. Um, so I stayed in the apartment with uh, me and my buddy who's actually also in Kentucky, we played there together. And so every morning we'd wake up, cook breakfast, go work out, come back, cook lunch, go to the field around 1, 1.30, and then play ball the rest of the day, maybe not get home until eleven, eleven thirty every night, wake up, do it again the next day.
0: Did you, you know, since you said New York, did you get a chance, you know, to take a break from baseball and actually get to go venture out since, you, you know I mean, you are in New York after all?
3: Yeah, I mean, we were in New York, but no, I mean, I – I didn't really leave the little small upstate part I was in. I mean, we pretty much had a game every single day, so it wasn't a lot of off time for traveling and going to venture and see all the cool things that New York has to offer.
0: Yeah. I gotcha. So what would you say was the biggest thing you gained from that experience? Like, uh, is there anything that you improved in on your game really from, from getting to go up there?
3: Yeah. Uh, from the, from the heading aspects out of it, it was really good for me to experience. Um, uh, the way people pitch in college is a lot different than high school so going from, from a high school hitter it's very easy to just sit there and absolutely hack fastballs all day you might not get a curveball until you're down two strikes or this or that but going up there and everybody I was playing against was already a junior and senior in college so they're they can throw four to five pitches all for strikes at any time in the count whenever they want to. And kind of just experiencing that and the kind of shift of mindset of being prepared for any type of pitch, any of the count. Like seeing a two-o curveball was very often, like I saw that all the time, which I didn't ever see in high school. So, kind of the mental aspect of hitting changed a lot, which I think is really going to prepare me for this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you made a good decision to go up there. It's definitely going to um, benefit you in the long run, for sure. Yep. So, you're on campus now for school as well. Um, you know, now that it's real, you're on campus, you're going to classes, um, you know, what's the, what's the emotions like for you? I mean, this is just a great deal of excitement.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of surreal. Like, man, I'm really in college. Like, this is something you dream. This is like everything you've worked for growing up. Like, This was your dream. This was always my dream, going to play SEC baseball, and now I'm living out that dream. So kind of taking advantage of every opportunity I get, not not letting anybody outwork me, like not not taking any of that for granted. So, yeah, now that I'm here, it's kind of of just crazy.
0: So, you know, Luke said that they have had their first meeting and kind of got together and went over some stuff. Have y'all had your coach get you together, start talking about expectations or anything yet?
3: Yeah, we had we've had a few team meetings and pretty much what we've talked about is getting to Omaha, and that's pretty much the only thing we care about. Our coach says that literally everything. Every time he texts us, he's gonna send a hashtag that says Omaha twenty twenty two on it, and that is the goal for this year. It's Kentucky has never gotten to Omaha, and that's something we really want to do, and that's something we're going to pry ourselves on is getting there no matter what the circumstances. And although that is our ending goal, we're still going to take it day by day. Like, when every game, game by game. We always have that in the back of our head of getting to Omaha. That's one goal we really want to accomplish this year.
0: I mean, I love your coach, and I don't even know him. Like, talking Omaha already, like, I, I feel that. I feel that a lot. But I'm going to tell you because we're really tight with some boys in East Tennessee that they're going to try to stand in your way. So, y'all better be ready to work. Um,
3: Yes, sir. I ain't scared of nobody.
0: <laughs> I hear you. All right. So, let me ask you the last question, and then we'll move on to Jonah. Do you have – you know, Daniel, talk about your whiteboard over there. Do you have personal goals set up for yourself this season?
3: Oh, uh, yes, sir. Absolutely. and Actually, much of the same thing as Luke. So Kentucky was also up on the board for me at the aspect of it's a good chance to play early for me, and that is something I'm really going to look forward to getting, uh, just absolutely working my butt off and getting that shot to kind of play early, especially as a friend. Um, so, yeah, personal goal this year, get on the field, and, and if I can't accomplish that, man, just do anything I can to help this team um, get to that ending goal of getting to Omaha, especially because we have a lot of talent on this team and we think we can get there. So anything that I can do personally to help us get there, whether it be earning a starting spot or whether it be pinch running in the eighth inning of a midweek game, like it, whatever it is to help the team get there. I mean, that's what I'm that's what I'm going to do this year.
0: I got a goal. I need to see. You and Luke both get action against each other in a game. And I need to see that battle. That that's that's my goal and expectation. Somehow, some way, somehow, I need that to happen.
3: Oh, Luke, we're, I, we're gonna make it happen
0: eventually. Luke, I he yell ain't, ain't, to he ain't gonna lie to you. He ain't gonna hit nothing. I'm gonna be honest all right man i mean I all all i've seen is you throw bp so i don't know man and and you struggled at
1: that i hope you throw real that's what he throws
3: anyway that's what he throws Uh, pretty much uh,
1: bp yeah bp yeah okay my Uh, michael michael he he's luke said it it ain't it ain't a little league feel bro uh, it ain't (laughs) uh whatever
0: well hey we will see soon enough but Let's get to Jonah. Let's get to my man, stripe up. All right. So you said it was Memphis, you know, um, good portion of your family went there, you know, you should have went to LSU, but we'll let that slide. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about it, man. You said it was Memphis. Um, was there any other schools that you were really thinking about or is it, was it just that simple?
4: It was really just that simple. Um, The recruiting – honestly, it was – the recruiting process started – I mean, obviously it started, like, sophomore, junior year, but I didn't get any offers then. It was just a lot of talking to people. You know, I was hurt. So, you know, it was a lot of, well, when you get healthy, we'll come out and see you play, blah, 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 never hear from them again type thing. So the real recruiting process honestly didn't start till right before senior year because I could actually, like, play – I could actually play then, And, you know, when Memphis offered it – it wasn't over yet. I was still talking to some other schools that were working out, you know, like finances with the whole COVID thing. They're trying to figure out who's going to stay on another year, who's not, who they need to keep on scholarship, who they don't, and all that stuff. So it wasn't over, and I was still talking to several schools, but I kind of made up my mind. I was like, I mean, even if, you know, these schools did offer me, I I think I just want to go to Memphis, to be honest. Uh, So it was kind of just a no-brainer, I think. Um, I think I actually offered, or I committed the... Day after, I think. So, I mean, it was, I talked to a few other coaches uh, in between the time I got offered and committed. Um, you know, they called me and stuff. I kind of told them about it. And I was just asking where we're standing and the whole thing and everything and kind of just made my decision from there. So, yeah, it was a no brainer, though, most of the time.
0: So, let me ask you, you know, being that you chose Memphis and you play the position you do, um, did you get to have any talks with uh, Hunter Goodman? I mean, for, Memphis to have a player of that caliber I mean he was being talked about nationwide and so this isn't a guy that was playing at the SEC school he's playing in Memphis and absolutely tearing it up did you by chance get that ever have any talks or conversations with him
4: unfortunately no he uh you know he got drafted and he had to get his stuff together and head out to play pro ball so I haven't I never really got to do anything I did get his jersey number however so oh there you go that's pretty cool but you know no no, no pressure No, but I mean, there's there's a lot of other uh, there's a lot of other really great upperclassmen there. Um, You know, there's another catcher. He's a he's a junior, uh, and he's he's a junior in engineering. And I'm a freshman in engineering, and we're both catchers. And when you try, you know, engineering and baseball is it's unbelievably hard. It's unbelievably hectic. So he's been really helping me out with you know giving me tips on catching, giving me a lot of tips on just straight up doing school. He's like, look, this is what you need to do. It's your first semester. He took all the classes I'm taking right now. He's, he's really helping me through a lot of that stuff. So there's, there's a lot of great upperclassmen there that, you know, they got a lot of knowledge. That's yeah, that,
0: sure. that speaks volumes to his character because I mean, he could be shysty because you're going to be competing at the same position and not help you at all, but it shows, you know, the kind of uh, camaraderie and teammate that that he has. So I dig it for sure. So as far as you for summer workouts, the other two guys had two separate paths. What was yours like?
4: Um, I played in the, in the Southeast Collegiate League. It's between Louisiana, Mississippi, and Tennessee. So I played in that throughout the summer. Um, I also our Memphis workouts, just weightlifting, optional weightlifting for whoever was in town. That started up. Uh, I want to say like halfway through July, maybe, maybe you know, about halfway through July. So I would go to those um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then I would play. You know, my I'd play my games on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Sometimes they would overlap, and it was a tough day. But I mean, it was it was good. It was it was a busy summer. Um, the thing I liked about that college league, though, I didn't have to do a whole lot of traveling. Uh, a lot of our games were just played at USA Stadium. Uh, but it was it was a great experience to you know get into action, seeing more. Seeing more consistent velo and you know just a lot of players that are more polished because they've been playing college ball for a few years and you know just getting used to kind of the speed of the game as it increases. So it was definitely a good experience all summer for me.
0: So Daniel is a is a Memphis guy and you know you were excited about Jonah. How does it make you feel to hear him say he went to all the optional workouts?
1: That's what I that's what I expect to hear from my kind of guy. <laughs>
0: Daniel Daniel was a college baseball coach himself, and I can only imagine that if you didn't show up to an optional workout, even though the word "optional" was there, um he probably wasn't
1: happy with you. So
4: there's no such thing as optional. Yeah, we, that's not. A, that's not a we thing. all we all know what that means.
1: That's the only that's reason. A, that's a way to skirt the the NCAA rules.
4: Only reason it was optional is if you're like you know like Michael, if you're in New York playing baseball. That's the only reason it's optional. But like. If you're in town and it says optional and you're not going, it's just kind of like, you know, I, I, I wanted to get on campus as early as possible. I wanted to get a feel for things. I wanted to get better. I wanted to go ahead and get in a college weight room and really start working. Got to hit, uh, also got to like hit off the machines there and stuff after I'd work out. So I was just trying to take advantage of everything I could uh, because, I mean, everything's going, it's going by pretty quickly. Honestly, I can't, like it's our, it, it, it feels weird that college has already started and everything and i don't want to take anything for granted and i want to really every opportunity i have to get better i really want to take advantage of that because one day i'm going to wish that i took advantage i don't want to ever look back and be like man i wish i would have hit a few more times wish i would have gone to some of those optional workouts so i'm really just trying to leave everything you know on the field and in the weight room right now
0: so now daniel you're starting to see after a weekend with these guys why i liked them because it wasn't just them helping the kids i was able to to see you know, the work ethic and hear them talk about their love for the game and everything, and so it's, it's showing as we're interviewing them. So, you know, you talked about you can't believe school started. You're on campus now just like the other guys. Like, I mean, um, how awesome is it? I mean, you, you, know, you said you're a Memphis kid, so this has got to be something that's just you, – you've always seen yourself doing it, and now you're finally doing it.
4: It's surreal, that's for sure. Um, it's the biggest, the biggest uh, moment for me so far – that kind of just like took my breath away for a second is uh, the first time when I went in the locker room and I saw like, you know, my name on the locker and like, just, I was like, oh my gosh, like this, this is crazy. It just, it felt like a dream type thing. Um, and then just getting to like, I mean, getting to go to college and getting to keep playing baseball every day, I mean, it's, I mean, it doesn't really get much better to be honest, so.
0: So, you let me ask you. I didn't ask the other guys this because I can't stand Ole Miss football, and I don't even know if Kentucky has a football team. But, um, you know, how excited are you about, like, going to Memphis games? Me and Daniel have been talking about Memphis. We love Memphis football.
2: Hey, chill. Mike. And Mike's about to come through the screen. Dude, you just bashed both of us right there, dude. Dude. Yeah, mainly mainly uh, Michael, but, I mean, still. LSU's going to
0: work y'all over. Moving back to Memphis.
3: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. On.
4: Whatever.
3: Well, the only reason LSU was good is because they had Joe Burrow.
4: Anyways, no, I can't wait to go to those, uh, to the Memphis games. You know, Memphis football has obviously taken crazy huge strides in the last, like, five years, and they've become a team. You know, it's it's not just, you know, your school's football team anymore. It's, like, it's a Memphis football game. You know, it's, like, a big deal. You know, we, we, we're competing with some of the best teams in the country now. We're kind of on the map. We're getting – we're starting to get ranked and stuff like that. So you know, it's definitely got a more. We're getting to you know, it's got like the SEC football vibe, where like the football games are super hype now. Everyone's tailgating. It's always packed, and hopefully, it's full capacity, which I'm pretty sure it will be. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm 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 stoked for sure.
0: Yeah, we got tickets to the uh, Memphis Mississippi State game. I'm I'm excited about that just because I root for Cam and them boys in baseball, not not in football. Yeah. I hope I hope Memphis goes to work. We even okay. have Will Rogers on here. He got he got a little arrogant with us talking about what he was gonna do to Memphis and LSU so me and Daniel both we were we ready we ready for Mississippi state games <laughs> yeah. but uh you know you know we talked about personal goals I mean it seems like for all three of y'all it's to get on the field do you have anything that's separate from those guys that you know that you're looking for you know maybe something you need to work on individually to get better
4: yeah I mean obviously the biggest goal is working as hard as I can to try and earn a starting spot or just a role in helping the team win in the spring and stuff like that. But another thing that I've really tried to hone in on is learning from older guys, really trying to work on getting better, especially in the fall right now where it's just a grind. So just trying to really, you know, get used to the, again, like the speed of the game um, and you got all these great mentors around you. And I'm just really trying to get better and I'm trying not to look so far ahead in the spring and I'm really just trying to take it like day by day get a little better each day and the spring will take care of itself but that's been my goal mostly is just to really keep trying to fine-tune everything and you know learn some of the more nuances of like just all the things that change when you get to you know college.
1: Man guys you know we we pride ourselves really on 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 quality of guests and character and night you know i saw firsthand exactly what jim was saying about you guys like you're, you're very driven you're, you're very um easy to talk to and you could tell like your your ambitions and your expectations for yourselves are, are very high so um you know i appreciate you guys coming on jim appreciates you guys coming on but before we let y'all bounce we're gonna have a little fun we're gonna co- play a little game called this or that y'all y'all up to play let's go all right, so it's, it's, it's very simple, gentlemen. I'm gonna give you two options. All you do is you pick one option or the other. You can't say both, and you can't say neither. Y'all good with the rule? Let's very, do it. Very, yes, sir. Very All right, to make this easier, the I'll ask the questions, but we're gonna answer in this order. Luke, Michael, Jonah. All right, The so first question is, would you rather have bad hair or bad teeth. And so now hopefully we're we're moving past masks and back out in public. So appearance matters. So would Luke, I'll start with you, man. Would you rather have bad hair or bad teeth?
2: Bad hair for sure. You can always wear a hat. You can't cover up those teeth.
1: Right, baby. Michael, bad hair, bad teeth. Nope, I'm going bad teeth. Hair changes a man.
0: He got flow.
1: Yeah, he it it does yeah, something. you can't
3: you perfect. can't change this right here.
1: I mean, the persona that you have with your hair is 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 unreal. So yeah, it's it's powerful. Oh yeah. Jonah, Jonah, bad hair, bad teeth.
4: Oh, one hundred percent bad hair because, like Luke said, I can wear a hat, and if that doesn't work, I'm pretty sure I could pull off going bald. So, <laughs>
1: you go shave shave it down, man, and don't even worry about it. Right, mm-hmm. who's a better pitcher? Luke Ellis or Brady Tiger? Luke, I'll start with you. This should be an easy, easy answer.
2: You know, my personal view, it's me. I know the two guys, uh, we're going to say Brady, but Brady's a uh, stellar athlete, dude. I, um, I can't believe where he's come from. I kind of grew up with him in eighth grade and, you know, he's come a long way and, uh, he's going to be a star for, uh, Arkansas for sure. So, you know, we'll have to see in, uh, the coming years, who's the better one, so.
1: Well, you you know what? You've come a long way with, with your belief, you know, from a kid who didn't believe in themselves to now a, a guy who's a Division I, one, uh, on arguably one of the best teams in the country, man. Like, that's what I like to hear, you betting on yourself because, it, like I said before, if you don't believe in yourself, who's going to believe in you? Absolutely. So, Michael, who's better? Luke? Or Brady, I don't know. I'm
3: gonna have to give my homeboy some love. I'm gonna go with Luke on this one. We've grown up together, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the old Luke Ellis.
1: All right, Jonah, who you got?
4: Um, I've faced Luke a few times this year. Uh, I've never faced Brady. Obviously, Brady's you know he's got a pretty talented arm. Uh, Luke, Luke's you know he's he's got a talent I mean that fastball comes in there it's not just hard but it's it starts down the middle and ends up in the other batter's box so I mean if you're not if you're not on time with it it's rough so I, I'm gonna go with Luke I think oh, yeah, let's go to let's lefty go to 90 to hey
0: hey Daniel ammo for ammo for Brady I you know what the problem is I hadn't seen Luke pitch but I've seen Brady pitch a lot
3: like Lefty I, 90 to 93 it's all like you we're to just know. trying to be nice to Luke right now too
4: <laughs> I want two for four often this year. I got to give him a little love.
1: There you go. See, it, it, it's respect because, you know, Luke is, is here and he's, he's pouring his heart out to these guys and these guys got some compassion for him. But I'm telling you, when, when this season starts, if they run into each other, Luke, I'm sure they're going to want to hit it back up the box. I'm 100% sure on that. Yeah, well, I'm absolutely. still catching a barrel if we face each other. I'm
2: telling yeah. you, Mike, you are not getting nothing. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, we got to see this. Well, we, How we, going to get it? a
3: strike because he usually doesn't throw a lot. Yeah. Of okay. Let's <laughs> see, man. Let's I see. I mean,
0: and the potential for this is there because y'all are going to, because I know Memphis usually always plays Ole Miss and then mm-hmm. Ole Miss should play Kentucky and then Ole Miss will play Arkansas. Like, so, like, we may get any one of these scenarios for sure. Maybe all of them if we're lucky.
1: That's what's up. All right, hunting or fishing, Luke. Are you a hunter or a fisherman?
2: Man, I grew up hunting, but I gotta say, fishing. I like. Uh, I'm not really uh, that big of a patient guy trying to um, hunt, but I like going out on the lake and getting in the boat and you know going fishing.
1: All right, Michael, hunting or fishing? Yeah. Same as well. I'm
3: more of a fishing guy. I've never been a hunting guy, so I've never, I've always loved. Kind of casting and reeling in a fish rather than going out and shooting a deer. All right, Jonah. Uh,
4: well, shooting's definitely more fun, but the sitting out there for eight hours and ten degrees is not. So I'm going to go with fishing <laughs> for sure.
1: I, I like, I like the the thought and, and the the rationalization. Yeah, um, give give me the warm weather over the cold weather any day. Yeah. All right. This is, this is a, a, a new question and it's become one of the most popular questions that, that I ask. Would you rather be in a coma for 10 years or would you rather go to jail for five years?
2: <laughs> Luke. Coma for 10 years because I don't want to live through that jail for five years. I'll be asleep and long gone for 10 years. He's so much smarter jail.
0: than the other old Miss guys. I
1: they, they took you. jail.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, Luke. heck no, dude. It's nice to see that the level of quality human beings that Ole Miss is now recruiting is not a bunch of liars because all the Ole Miss people we've asked that question to, they take jail, and I know damn well they ain't picking jail. no. All right, Michael, what do you got? Ten years in a coma, five years in jail. Five years in jail, baby. Mm. <laughs> Here we go. I, I just, I just got on my soapbox about. Hey, he's built pretty up, Daniel. Character. See,
3: see, look, see, look. If I go spend five years in jail, I'm gonna go put on thirty pounds of muscle in jail lifting weights every day. Where if I'm sitting
1: in a bed for ten years, I ain't doing nothing. And, and that that's fine because guess what? Give me that nap.
0: Give
4: me
0: that ten years. I, I like it. I
4: like it. He said he's gonna get on <laughs> swole, Daniel. I'm down. Mm. Yes, sir. All right, Jonah. What are you I'm picking? On my, I'm on Michael's side with that. You go to sleep for ten years. You're gonna wake up about eighty pounds lighter. and Won't be able to walk. If I go to jail, I'm I'm gonna get bigger. That's for sure. Yes, sir. All about the
1: gains. <laughs> the gains and look, guys. And the gangs. <laughs> it, it's it's a, <laughs> It's rough out there in them streets. On them blocks, them cell blocks, it's rough. Five years is a long time. A long time. And a lot of things to worry about. So, like I said, I'll take that 10-year nap all day. The good news
0: is, Daniel, with these
1: three guys' character, I don't think they're going to have to worry about jail. So, we good. No, not at all. All right. Would you rather hit bombs and strike out a lot Or would you rather be a guy that is consistently just getting on base, Luke?
2: Well, I was uh, definitely I didn't hit bombs in high school. Trust me, it's a lot better feeling when you're getting on base a lot than striking out a lot, even if you hit a lot of home runs. So I'm going to go with that uh, on
1: base instead of those home runs and strikeouts. All right, Michael, what what are you taking? I'm taking the bombs and strikeouts all
2: day. <laughs> of course you are. Of course you are. Of course you are.
4: Why would you not? Why would you not? Jonah. That's a tough one, but, yeah, I'm not really a home run hitter. So, actually, I'm going to go with the bombs because I would like to know what it feels like to, you know, drop <laughs> bombs all the time. So, there I'm going to have go. to go with that one.
1: So, so, basically, you're like, I know what it's like to strike out. I want to know what it's like to Okay. Push. Bomb.
4: Okay, yeah, basically.
0: The chicks right. dig the long ball. Come on, home hey. runs. Man.
1: Chick, chicks like the long ball, but guess what? Guys that get on base get paid. Ask Mike Trout. True. But... Guys that hits bombs get
3: paid. Mm.
4: Mm. That's all the MLB is now. It's just home runs and strikeouts. Yeah, now, y'all, he ain't y'all wrong. Gonna, now, Joey you, Gallo's getting paid millions. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: Look, I'm telling y'all, it's all about going on the mound and throwing seven plus and then turning around the next day and dropping two bombs. That's what it's about these days. Yeah, he's crazy. So all right, last question. This is our, our money question. This is gonna tell us this is a really a formatted question that we've asked in one way or another to every single guest that's come on this show. All right? So being baseball, guys, I'm going to direct it and, and mold it into a baseball question for you. Would you rather be the first pick in the Major League Baseball draft but you have to lose all of your friends? Can't associate with them anymore. Or would you rather be the last pick in the draft but you get to keep all your friends? So first pick, lose all your friends. Last pick. Keep all your friends, Luke. What are you taking?
2: I'm gonna say last pick. I really, uh, you know, baseball is temporary, and friends and family for sure are uh, for a lifetime. So I would rather, um, you know, have a good time with my life than uh, be miserable being the first pick in the draft.
1: Oh, okay. Michael, what are you taking?
3: Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna have to go last pick, probably because my friends and family are the people that got me to where I am, and I think I'd be able to get to wherever I wanted to be as long as I had those people beside me. And if I went first overall and didn't have any friends, I'd probably spin out of control and not play baseball anymore, so I'd probably go last.
0: Jonah, right, don't Josh. let us down. Don't let us down.
4: It's a no-brainer. Obviously, last pick. Oh, Obviously. Nobody
1: wants that money. All right, look, guys. look, I'm a. I'm going to break down the answers for you guys. Luke, you said it's it's temporary. But, bro, you're not ever going to get that opportunity ever again. So you take it while you can. All right? You earned it. If your friends and family are mad at you for taking that money that you earned, then shame on them. <laughs> Michael, you said friends and family. Guess what? First pick, you can buy more friends <laughs> and a new pick. <laughs> and Jonah, I'm gonna need you not to follow along with what, what they're saying. I, I have a feeling you really wanted to pick first pick in a draft. And and as a definitely as, not. A, as a tiger, no. I, I need that notoriety you, to know. You didn't
4: phrase it like that. If you had phrased it like your parent, your friends and family aren't gonna like you, that's different. I thought it was just like that was the deal. <laughs> If that's just the deal, if it's if this cuz they're mad at me, then yeah, I'm taking the first pick cuz that ain't my fault. But <laughs> it's just if that's just the deal, then yeah, I'm taking my friends and family over money any day. I can still make it to the big leagues if I'm the last pick.
1: Very true, very true, but the 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 payout is substantially less. <laughs> it's about 8 million dollars less.
4: <laughs>
1: and it increases every year, so there's that. <laughs>
0: So just to be clear, he would take friends as well. He's just yeah, I, I, yeah.
1: I I always every Thursday I always take the the money side, but I'm a friends and family guy, a hundred percent. So I, I I can feel you. I feel you guys where you're coming from. So no hard feelings there. I just like giving you guys some some crap along the way. But gentlemen, anything that you guys and I'll start with you, Luke. Anything you want to plug or promote or. Anything that you, you feel that the, the audience needs to know?
2: Man, just uh,
3: come out to Swayze in the spring. It's going to be a good time for sure.
1: All right, Michael.
3: Keep up with the cats, baby. The cats are hot. Omaha Cats
1: 2022. You go hashtag Omaha 2022
4: for Kentucky. Jonah. I'm going to go a little different right here. Uh just keep praying for everybody in Afghanistan right now because I got a brother in the Marines and you know, this, it's, it's, uh, it's nerve wracking for sure. Everything going on right now. So just keep them in your prayers because it's, it's mind blowing what they do for our country and it, it breaks my heart to see everything going on right now. So
1: just pray That's, for them. Absolutely, man. At, at the end of the day, is you got to keep, keep focus on, on, on stuff like that because, baseball and school and all these things are great, but like, you know, you, you got to feel for, for what's going on over there. So I appreciate you bringing that up and, and guys, really, I just appreciate all three of y'all for joining us tonight. Um, hopefully, you know, we bring you back on. I want to, I want to try to get you guys back on if we can before the spring gets going, but if not like early spring and see, you know, give us an update. if You guys are down with that
3: for
1: sure. Absolutely. That All right. Good. All right, gentlemen, once again, I, I wish y'all the best of luck. If we can do anything for you along the way, please reach out to us. Um, you know, if y'all want to follow Luke Michael or Jacob go to Instagram right now or Jonah, I'm sorry. Appreciate it, it. Yeah. If you, if you want to follow them, go to Instagram right now for Luke. It's at Ellis Luke with two E's on Luke. For Michael, it's at Michael.Dallas9, and for Jonah, it's at Jonah.Sutton. Guys, once again, thank you. I appreciate you. We look forward to having you guys back. Yes, sir. I appreciate you all bringing us awesome. on. I really appreciate
3: it. Great talking to you all. Yeah, thank you,
1: guys. Yeah, an- another good episode, Jim. Uh, I'm highly impressed with these three and look forward. I mean, they, they got a fan for me for life, so. But if you guys like these stories or you just like hearing Average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We had a lot of intrigue and interest. We got t-shirts on sale on the website. Get your official and off-the-bench t-shirt. Check out the website. Up-to-date. Brand new. Jim's done an excellent job putting it all together. Once you get your shirt, then we'll see you guys next week for episode 29, where we're going to be talking more University of Kentucky baseball with TJ Colette. This has been the end off the bench podcast. As always remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out. All
0: right, boys. So, you know, I've struggled with pain, you know, I've struggled with weight loss, you know, I've struggled with anxiety and you know, I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things, True Life Dispensary, pain relief without narcotics, sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando, hours Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around.